Hey everyone, today's episode is near and dear to my heart because we are talking about mental health. Today I have on the podcast Dr. Andrea Niles. She is a clinical psychologist and founder of Prospera Mental Health and Wellness. She has studied anxiety and depression treatments and maternal health for 17 years. Dr. Niles is passionate about making high quality mental health widely accessible and affordable to everyone. Prospera is a mental health platform designed specifically for moms. They provide weekly one-on-one sessions with perinatal certified mental health coaches and a library of digital tools specifically designed to support mom's mental health. I hope that today is helpful for you. Let's get started. Welcome to the Sleep Fairy Way podcast. I'm your host, Jessalyn Romney, a baby sleep consultant and a mother of four. I'm here to teach you everything I know about baby sleep, motherhood, postpartum, and more. I'm so happy you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited for our special guest, Dr. Andrea Niles. She is going to talk to us today about the importance of mental health and specifically related to women and mothers. Welcome, Dr. Andrea Niles. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about you? Like, tell us your background. I know that you recently started a company on mental health focusing on women. Can you kind of tell me how you got here? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been studying treatments for anxiety and depression, basically my, my whole career. Um, and so I recently founded Prospera, which is a mental health platform specifically focused on moms. Um, and I can kind of talk a little bit about, about how I got there. So, um, so I was in academia, you know, researching treatments and, um, sort of publishing academic papers, but wasn't feeling like I was really, helping people as much as I wanted to in that role. And so I left academia and moved into um, the digital mental health world. And I was, I was working, um, I started working with a a company alongside this group of, of men, we created a a mental health app for anxiety and depression. And, you know, I came in with this expertise on, you know, treatments for anxiety and depression. Um, But I, I never really felt like the, you know, the guys that I was working with, you know, fully, respected the opinions that I had or the ideas that I had. I sort of felt like I was blocked at, you know, every step of the way. Um, and and I felt like I didn't really get to do what I wanted to do at that company. And so when it became clear that I wasn't going to be continuing there, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And um, I never wanted to start my own company, but I felt like that was really going to be the only way that I was actually going to be able to have control and to be able to make the decisions and do the things that I wanted to do. I thought, you know, if I just go into another tech company alongside another, you know, C-suite of, of men, you know, it's going to be the same thing. So, um, so that's what led me to, um, to found Prospera. Um, and so, yes, I've been, I've been working at Prospera, uh, sort of working, overseeing the company now for a little over a year. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. I love that. Like you were like, there's a problem and I know how to fix it. So I need to figure out how to reach the people and I'm going to do it on my own. So I love that. I love that you started your own thing and now you are helping women all over the world. So at what point when you started Prospera, did you start Prospera in your mind knowing that you wanted to specifically work with women or did that shift when you became a mom? Yeah, so um, so I, I did start Prospera sort of more as a general anxiety and depression platform, but you know I had my own. I have, I have two children, so of course I had my have my had my own experience of of motherhood through pregnancy and postpartum, and 
And I just felt like the mental health piece of that was completely neglected. Like this is the most monumental transition that a woman goes through in her entire life going from, you know, not being a mom to being a mom. And so, but there's just no attention, you know, attention paid to the emotional aspects of that, the mental health aspects of that. And so I felt like, you know, there's this huge piece that's missing in our, um, you know, our perinatal health system. And so, um, so I decided to focus Prospera specifically on providing that, um, you know, maternal mental health support through pregnancy and postpartum. I love that. It it truly like every single time I talk about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, somebody reaches out and says like, I had no idea I had this until you talked about it. So that right there tells me that it is not talked about enough. So I'm just, I'm glad you're out there talking about it, teaching about it. Can you share what are the signs of struggling with mental health? Because I know that again, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, we know a little bit about, but I know there are so many other aspects of mental health that I don't even know about. So can you talk about the different parts of mental health that women can struggle with during pregnancy and postpartum? I also didn't know that you could struggle with postpartum depression or anxiety during pregnancy until I suffered Mm -hmm. with my fourth pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was 14 weeks and I felt it come on so strongly. And my doctor just casually was like, oh yeah, that can happen. I'm like, what? Like (laughs) my fourth baby and nobody's told me this. So I just find it so interesting that we're not told these things. So can you tell us like what to look for and what, what different things can we struggle with? Yeah, I think it's, it's a real problem that women are just not really fully aware of what kinds of things can come up and what things to look for. Um, and so, and, and, and so I think my perspective is to just have like a pretty low bar for reaching out for help, especially, um, around that perinatal period, just because your mental health is just become so critical, you know, of course for yourself, but for your family as well. Um, and so I, I would say, you know, if, if you are not feeling like yourself, you know, you're feeling a lot of anxiety or worry, you're feeling low motivation, you're not enjoying motherhood in the way that you felt like you should. If you're having sort of outbursts of anger or rage that you feel like, oh, I really wish I hadn't done that. Or I hadn't yelled at my kids. Um, another common one is like intrusive thoughts. If you have maybe these horrible thoughts of something happening to the baby or, you know, you, you know, accidentally doing something to the baby, those kinds of thoughts, um, you know, all of those things can be um, a sign that, you know, maybe you just need some additional coping skills, some additional support, um, you know, because you don't have to suffer through it. There are a lot of things that you can do to take care of yourself and help yourself feel better. So I, I like to encourage women to try to kind of get ahead of it um, once they start to notice that they're they're not feeling great in in that role. That's so interesting. I I'm wondering. I have this question. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> let me know if you can answer this. But I feel like in general, as a mother, it's pretty normal to worry a little bit about your kids. So at what point do you know? Okay, something is going on. Like this isn't just your everyday. Like, oh, I'm worried about my kids. I hope they're safe. I hope they're healthy. All these things. At what point do you seek help and know that it's something more than just that? Yeah, that is a, a really good question. Um, and so usually the way we think about it in the in the world of of mental health and therapy is like if you're 
feeling like it's um, interfering with your life in some way. So maybe your, your worry is causing you to argue with your partner. It's making it hard for you to focus at work, or it's hard for you to leave your child with somebody so you can go, you know, go exercise or do something for yourself. Um, or if it's just really distressing, like you just feel like you're constantly worrying, you're having trouble sleeping, you just feel miserable, um, that sort of interference uh, in your life. And then that level of distress around the anxiety or the worry or whatever the symptom is, um, those are kind of the the indicators that you would use to say, okay, now is the time that I want to, I want to do something to intervene here. Okay. That's a perfect answer. Do you notice that women struggle with one more than another? Do you see more postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum rage, which I am just starting to learn about, so I'd love to dive into that more, but do you see that women struggle with one more than another, or is it pretty even across the board? Oh, yes. So I think this is such an interesting topic because um, I think there's there's been this major sort of public health campaign around like postpartum depression. So everybody or most people have at least heard of postpartum depression, but really postpartum anxiety is actually much more common than postpartum depression. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Okay. So that is the most common thing that we actually see at Prospera. And and so I'll talk to moms and they're like, well, I don't really feel depressed, but I feel really, really anxious and worried all the time. And I'm just like totally miserable with this anxiety. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, that's postpartum anxiety. And so they don't even realize that there actually is this other category. So um, definitely anxiety is, is the most common thing that we see. Um, but we do see, you know, quite a few other things. Um, so postpartum rage, as you were talking about, which is very interesting. Um, intrusive thoughts, which goes along with um, with anxiety. Intrusive thoughts are incredibly common postpartum um, and very scary for a lot of moms. Um, we have birth trauma, uh, which is very, uh, very common. Um, and then a sort of postpartum identity crisis. A lot of moms kind of talk about that sort of shift, um, into motherhood as a challenge around their identity. Wow. Okay. There's so much. And I, I want to dive in, but I know that we don't have like tons of time. So I'm wondering if you could give like a brief description of each of those things you just listed. Like, how do you know if you're having postpartum depression? How do you know if you're having postpartum anxiety? How do you know if you're having intrusive thoughts or postpartum rage? What do each of those look like? Sure, sure. Yeah. And so, and the, the one thing about, about these kinds of things is that they often overlap. So, so yeah. it can be sort of confusing. You have, might have different, you know, pieces of, of all these different things. So don't feel and like, I'm you sure know. you can struggle with multiple of them, right? Yes. It's not like, yes. it's not like you can only struggle with one. You could, you could struggle with every single one of them, right? Yeah. And that is actually okay. the more, that's, that's the norm actually to, to struggle across different kinds of types of problems as opposed to just one area. Um, but yeah, so, so I'll kind of go through, um, so postpartum depression is usually just feeling, uh, you know, sort of down and depressed, sad, crying, um, and then low motivation, not feeling like doing anything, trouble getting out of bed, maybe trouble taking care of just usual things like showering or eating. Um, so that's postpartum depression. Postpartum anxiety um, most commonly uh, presents as worry, um, just excessive worry, and usually about the well-being, either the mother's well-being or the well-being of the baby is probably the most common. Worrying the baby's going to stop breathing, worrying about SIDS, worrying about leaving the baby with somebody else, having trouble, um, you know, getting out of the house, um, going to the store, just because there's so much anxiety that something is going to happen 
um, to the That's baby. That's so interesting because as you're saying that, when you describe postpartum depression, that was like me to a T. Like I mm. could not get out of bed. I was like, I had no motivation to do anything, especially with my fourth. It was like really, really dark with my fourth for a while. Mm -hmm. But as you explained the postpartum anxiety, I don't think I struggled with any of that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I talked to a lot of moms who are like, you know, constantly checking their baby's breathing, constantly worried about SIDS. And those things never even crossed my mind. Yeah. So it's just interesting Thanks. to see that somebody could totally be having those symptoms and think that it's normal. But when I hear that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just interesting yeah. to hear, like to compare the two. Yeah. Anyways, I just had that thought as you were explaining it. I'm like, that is very different. And I've worked with moms who do say those things, but I never realized that that was postpartum anxiety related. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that I think that's a really good point is like some, and this is really frustrates me is doctors will say like, oh, that's normal. You know, that'll, that'll it'll get better. Um, and of, of course, to some extent, I think it's it's normal, but I, I hate when people come to me and they're like, well, my doctor just told me it was normal. And I'm like, well, there's a lot you can do to help with it. Like, you, like, yeah, like you shouldn't have to, way. you shouldn't have to be awake at night stressing about whether or not your baby's breathing. Cause right. I've, like I said, I've literally never been awake in the night. Like, oh my gosh, are they going to stop breathing? I just, I just assume they breathe. Like I just have never, <laughs> I've just never thought about that. So I guess if you're listening and if you are having these things, this is so interesting and definitely worth looking into because you don't have to carry that weight around. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't need to plague your, your postpartum experience. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So sorry for the interruption. Keep, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's do um, postpartum rage um, is really interesting. Um, usually this is, I would say the most common way I see it is when there's like a toddler and a new baby. And so mom is just like completely overwhelmed and overstimulated and toddler screaming and baby screaming. And then mom, mom finds herself sort of reaching this point where she just explodes with, with yelling. Usually it's yelling. And then, you know, very soon after just feeling this incredible guilt um, and sort of wishing that that she hadn't sort of lost her cool in that way. Um, so it's that sort of from from zero to a hundred in an instant. Um, and then and then yeah, yelling and sort of regretting having behaved in that way. Um, and so so that's usually how we see postpartum range. Although I think it, there can be different ways that 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 presents. What is that loss of control? Um, and then. Um, what else? So intrusive, intrusive thoughts. Um, I, I think it's over 70% of moms will have intrusive thoughts. And these are horrible images of something happening um, to the baby. Um, it can be, you know, an image of, of mom actually doing something to harm the baby in some way, stabbing the baby, dropping the baby, throwing the baby. Um, and even images of like doing it on purpose. Sometimes that's, that's the image that comes into your mind. Um, and the thing about intrusive thoughts, is it's like, it comes into your mind and you go, Oh my God, what the heck is that? I don't want that. You know, I want to get rid of it. Um, and, and it can cause this incredible distress of like, what's wrong with me? Why am I having this horrible thought? I'm a terrible mom. Um, so intrusive thoughts, very common, very distressing. Um, <clears throat> And I think I'd say those are the main ones. I think birth trauma is probably pretty self-explanatory, but it, you know, a lot of women have a very, very stressful, very traumatic experience during during birth, um, and then sort of come out of it feeling like, you know, they didn't have the experience they wanted, and they might have sort of flashbacks or memories of that birth experience that are are very difficult, very anxiety provoking, might lead to panic attacks and um, maybe trouble sort of bonding with the baby. 
Um, so I think those are, those are probably the main areas. That's so interesting. I've actually never, cause I feel very lucky. All of my births were very like smooth, like couple pushes, my baby was out. And so I never like <laughs> realized that if you have a traumatic birth experience that it can cause mental health issues in your postpartum journey. So that is really interesting to hear as well. And with the rate, or sorry, with the intrusive thoughts, I've actually, I've talked to moms who have experienced things. They're like, yeah, I was cutting vegetables and I just picture like, oh, what if the knife fell and stabbed my baby? And then they're, they think to themselves like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just came in my mind and they feel guilty about it, but they don't realize that that is a mental health thing that they can get help for. They just think like, oh, it's because my hormones are crazy. These will go away. Or they think what's wrong with me. And then they don't tell anybody about it because they feel like a horrible person. And there's just so many other negative thoughts around that. So I think that you speaking about this is so important for women to realize that this is a mental health issue. This is a mental health thing, not just, oh, something's, you know, wrong with me as a person. Yeah. It's a mental health struggle. And I, and I will, and I would actually say, and, and my, my, I had intrusive thoughts about, about the knife. I think I, I still do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the knife is a common one. Um, but I would, I would first and foremost, just say they're very normal. Um, and so yeah. if, if, if you have them, then, you know, whatever, like no, no big deal. Like it's just a thought it's very normal. It's adaptive because you're, taking care of this very vulnerable, tiny baby, right? So your, so your brain is on hyper alert for any kind of danger. So that's why it does that. So, so if you can just sort of brush it off and say, no big deal, then great. But if, if it, if it causes a lot of distress for you, you start changing your behavior, you, you don't ever use a knife when your child is around those kinds of things, then it's sort of escalated to the point where you might want to do something to, to intervene. Interesting. Okay. Okay, well, I guess that leads me into my next question then. At what point should, I mean, because I think we've kind of talked about what things to look for. You did a great job explaining, you know, the symptoms of each one of these struggles. But at what point should women seek help? At what point, you know, because I think a lot of women are like, oh, well, today was better. I'm fine. And I felt like that with postpartum depression for six months with my son. Some days I was like, you know, I'm totally fine. It's not a big deal. And then the next day was awful. And then two days later, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm fine. And so we kind of just convince ourselves that we're fine. And then if we wait it out, everything will get better. So with my fourth, I realized like, no, there's no need to wait it out. I need to get help now. But at what point should women get help versus wait it out? Yeah, um, I think I think that's I talk with I've talked with basically hundreds of women at this point. and I think it's a personal, it's a personal decision. Like if you're, if you're going to do something to try to change this, it takes work, it takes effort, it's not easy. And so you do have to sort of have that level of motivation of like, okay, I really want to make sure that, you know, my anxiety doesn't have a negative impact on my baby. If you're starting to worry about that, or, or I'm worried about my marriage, like this is, you know, we're arguing every day and this is really um, causing a lot of problems. And I want to make sure I fix this. Um, Or you're feeling like you're not present with your baby. Like, you know, you, you have this time with your child, but you're always in your mind worrying and worrying and worrying and you're not present at all. Um, You know, when you, when you're starting to feel like, I, I want something to change. This isn't working. I'm not feeling happy. Um, then, then that's, that's a point, um, to reach out. And then 
I mean, some people like yourself, for example, like if they've had an experience before, and I hear this a lot for women who've like had it in the past, and they're like, you know, at this time, I'm I'm not going to go through that. I want to get ahead of it. Um, and I think that's that's probably the best situation to be in. Um, but of course, like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So you so if you've right, had that experience, right. then you can kind of look back and say, well, I should have intervened earlier. But you know, if, if you start to notice um, that you're not you're not feeling like things are the way that you want them to be, then that's that's a good time to reach out. Okay. This is so good. So we've, we've kind of talked about what the different things that women can struggle with. You've talked about how, you know, if it's an actual mental health problem versus kind of a normal worry sign, you've talked about when to reach out for help. What can women do to, is there anything we can do to prevent these mental health struggles or to help them on our own? Like, do, are there tools that we can use during our pregnancy during our postpartum experience that will help our mental health overall? Yeah. I mean, one thing that I have, have seen some women do, especially when they've had this experience before of sort of severe postpartum depression or anxiety and they're in their next pregnancy. And I talk with women who are like, you know, I'm, I'm seven months pregnant and I want to make sure I have somebody lined up to talk to. And I want to make sure that I have my family around and I'm going to ask for this help and that help. And they're sort of setting themselves up to have a lot of support, both sort of emotional support in terms of mental health care could also be, you know, a psychiatrist, like someone who they're sort of, they know is going to be available for them to see. Um, and then, and then also just that, sort of instrumental support of family or friends or a doula or night nurse or whatever. Um, because I think the the things that really sort of create the, or sort of set the stage for mental health challenges, oftentimes is not having enough help, not having enough support, feeling overwhelmed, doing everything by yourself, you know, the partner who goes back to work right away. And then it's just, everything is on mom's shoulders. Um, and so, preparing in advance to know that that support is totally reasonable, really important, really helpful. You don't need to do it by yourself, um, I think is is a good way to, to set yourself up for success. I love that. So being very proactive about making sure that you have help lined up before the baby even gets here, during pregnancy even. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd say for some, some women, and I think it's totally reasonable. They're like, I'm just going to see how it goes. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling ready. And, and, but if you like, when you start to notice some of those early signs of being overwhelmed or struggling or not feeling happy, um, then intervening at that point. So if you're not going to, you know, do all this effort ahead of time to prepare that, you know, that's totally fine, but, but also just trying to be aware and not being afraid to take that step of, let me just reach out for some help. I'm just noticing that some things are are not feeling quite right here. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to educate yourself beforehand. Because yeah. I remember when I had my first, when I was, you know, three weeks postpartum, which to me is always the worst part of postpartum. It's like when the adrenaline wears off, yeah. sleep deprivation <laughs> sits in. And I'm just sitting here crying and I'm a hot mess. And everyone's like, it's fine. Like you're, it's fine. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, I am not fine. But had yeah. I known beforehand and I knew for my other three, I knew like week three is my crashing point. Yeah. So I would, I would tell my husband, I would tell my mom, I would tell my friends like, please check in on me week three. I might need you to come yeah. take my toddler. I might need you to bring a meal. I might need you to hold my baby so I can take a nap. Like week three is when I need you. So be ready. But I think if we're not 
educated beforehand like I wasn't with my first and it's really hard to a know what you need and b ask for help because you feel like you should be able to do it on your own right right yeah and that's that's really cool that you had that kind of self-awareness the next time around of like this is the point where for me things get really hard and that's where I'm gonna really ask for help and that that's what you need to do like you need to ask for help because there isn't really any other way to you know to do it you you have to have that help yeah and they say it takes a village and I'm just a firm believer that women we are we are designed to raise babies with a village I just believe that I don't think anyone needs to do it on their own and so I think it's super important to find your village even if it's just one support person and don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it yes yes absolutely okay and you know I have to ask about sleep because that is part of my life but um does sleep play a role in this at all Oh yeah. So sleep, sleep is really, really uh, closely tied with postpartum mental health challenges, um, postpartum depression, um, definitely very closely tied with, with sleep challenges. Um, and I, I often tell people like, if you have a history of depression, you're going into a postpartum period, sleep is really absolutely critical. Like you're going to have to ask somebody in your family to take the baby for some period of time you know, figure out the breastfeeding and try to get at least, you know, five, five hours of sleep a night to make sure that you're preventing postpartum depression, um, postpartum anxieties, definitely. And that, that sort of goes both ways, right? I often hear moms who are struggling with the anxiety and the worry, and then they can't sleep because they're so yeah. worried. Um, so very, very closely tied with anxiety. And then um, really interesting research showing that, um, when the baby is not sleeping well, that's a, a strongly related with rage, actually. Um, and so you can imagine, I'm sure everyone has had this experience of like when you're sleep deprived, you just cannot sort of manage your emotions as well. And so things that normally wouldn't bother you trigger you much more quickly. Um, and so you might find yourself in a position where you're doing a lot more yelling, a lot more reactive um, responses to your children than uh, than you'd like to be. Um so sleep is very, very important for mental health. Interesting. I I have found too that a lot of women, even if even if they don't think they're struggling, once their baby if their baby's not sleeping, they kind of start to resent their baby and then they're angry with their baby. Yeah. And I wonder if that's where part of the rage comes in too. It's A, you're tired, so you lose yeah. a lot of control, but B, you're you're kind of mad at this baby. Right. You're it's like, your you keep waking baby. me up. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. So okay, yeah. so sleep is important. Yes, yes, 100%. And yeah, I think my own personal experience, you know, when my child started sleeping through the night, it just opened up all these possibilities, like I could exercise because I wasn't so tired. And, um, you know, I could take better care of myself. And it was just like night and day. Um, So yes, definitely. I'm a a strong supporter of, um, of sleep, sleep training and doing it in a way that's systematic and feels, you know, gentle and, and, and kind and aligns with your, your values. Um, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Well, this conversation, I feel like I could talk to you all day because this is just such an important topic. And so I know that there are listeners out there who are realizing like, Hey, I might be struggling with some of the things she's talking about. So how can people work with you? What kind of resources do you offer? Um, tell me a little bit about that, how people can get help from you. Yeah. So, um, so let me just talk, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about what Prospera is and what we offer. Um, so our mission is to remove as many barriers 
years as possible to getting moms connected with high quality mental health support. Um, and so, so I know it is way too hard. It's too expensive. You can't find providers. There's wait lists forever. Um, and so we're trying to solve that problem. Um, and so Prospera is a mental health platform. We have, we provide weekly one-on-one -on -one sessions with perinatal certified mental health coaches. So we bring on the coaches, we certify them. I train them and oversee them, you know, based on my many years of experience. Um, and then we oversee them um, throughout their, their work with our clients. We have a digital tools library. It has dozens of tools that are specifically designed to support mom's mental health. Um, and so the coaches will assign tools for moms to work on so moms can practice these new coping skills in their day-to-day -day life. So we try to um, provide really actionable things that moms can do to manage symptoms of anxiety, depression, rage. Um, and, and yeah, and we're, we're very affordable. We're going to be the most affordable uh, maternal mental health option that's available aside from maybe groups, but that sort of one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, we have a uh, um, option that's as low as $39 per session. Uh, and wow. we do take, uh, yeah. And we do take HSA and FSA accounts and hopefully working towards insurance coverage, um, which is a, a real bear, but hoping to get there. Wow. This is incredible. Cause like I go to therapy and $39 a session is crazy. That is like yeah. that that is incredible because I know, and I say this all the time, like I never want money to be the reason that people don't get sleep. And I think that you never want money to be the reason that women aren't getting the help that they need in their mental health. And that is incredible. And I'm just like, you're amazing. That that like makes me emotional that you're providing that support for women. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for doing that. You're incredible. Um, I will put the link in the show notes for your website so that people can reach out to you and work with you. And I just hope that if you are listening and you are struggling with any of the things that we talked about today, I just encourage you to reach out because you deserve to be happy. You deserve to enjoy motherhood and you deserve to have a healthy life. And I think that you can help people do that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say like, if if you're not sure, you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm at that point where I need help. We have a, a two-week trial so you can actually try the platform, $38 for two sessions. So even oh, wow. if you tried it and you were like, eh, I don't really need this. Like, it's just, it's it's like a really um, easy thing to just give it a try and see like, okay, could this help me? Um, and so, yeah, if you have any question in your mind, you know, we, and we have a phone console even before that. So we have a free phone console. You could talk to someone and just see if it feels like it could could be helpful to you. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. And everybody, I hope this was helpful for you. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to learn more about the resources I have to offer, head to thesleepfairyway.com or follow me on Instagram at the underscore sleepfairy. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.